Welcome to Wisdom of Women, the podcast to bring you insights of successful women leaders. I'm your host, Sherry Hilton, and whether you're a working professional looking to level up, an aspiring entrepreneur, or simply curious about the stories of women who are making a difference, this podcast is for you. Our guests come from diverse backgrounds and industries, but they all share one thing in common. They've overcome challenges and achieved success through hard work, determination, and a willingness to take risks. They will tell their personal journeys, the lessons they've learned along the way, and the wisdom they've gained. Join me each week as we dive into the experiences and perspectives of extraordinary women and discover the inspiration and motivation you need to achieve your own goals. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wisdom of Women. We just passed July 24th, and if anyone knows what July 24th date is, it's the International Day of Self-Care, and I I just learned that. I thought it was pretty neat. The day 724, if you look at it as 7 slash 24, means that we are to practice self-care seven days a week, 24 hours a day, mentally, physically, spiritually. My guest today, Jessica Moyer, is no stranger to self-care, and that's what she has made her life focus and purpose, to help women and empower women on self-care and the importance of it. Jessica, how are you today? I'm fabulous. Happy Monday, if that's when everyone hears this, but it is Monday in the beginning of a new week, so excited. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into self-care? I know it just didn't pop out of the blue and that certain things happen in everyone's life and it sometimes makes a, a shift and a change in your life. Someone termed it to me as a, a life cane, right? Like a hurricane in your life and it shakes you up and it changes the focus and the mission of your life forevermore. So tell me a little bit about how you got into self-care. I was a gymnast for many years in my younger life. Obviously, I'm closer to 50 now, but for probably about eight years, I was a very competitive gymnast. And that taught me a really strong mindset because we were competing. We were working out five days a week. And so I think the mindset initially came from gymnastics. However, with with that also came some uh, eating disorders. That was very standard back in those days. Um, And so I shifted from gymnastics once I got myself healthy uh, to running in high school and college. And running is a whole different beast. So if there's any runners that are listening, um, it is really a mental game. And so I just love the challenge of pushing myself. You know, when you go outside and you run or you're even walking, it just clears your mind, feeds your soul. You know, it's just there's so many benefits to movement. And so throughout my life, I've always turned to movement through really difficult times. And I think that has helped me in so many aspects of my life. But also for those um, that know me know how important self-care is because I watched um, my son, Stephen, pass away from a genetic disease at the age of nine months. And he had no choice. He was born with this disease called spinal muscular atrophy. And as a parent, as a mom, um, even as a spouse trying to you know, support my husband who was also going through loss and grief. 
um, I realized again, the importance of like, we only get one chance here. And if we're not taking the best care of ourselves in order to show up for others, it's really hard to be productive in life. And then on the counter side of that, my dad was a physician. Um, I grew up in the small town of Medford, New Jersey, and he took care of all his patients, everyone but himself. And so I have these two dynamics of two um, males in my life that really taught me the importance of self-care. And that's why I really preach and promote specifically to women, because we know that we tend to put ourselves last. So that's really like where my mission and my love of, of helping women to identify areas where they can just do a little better. Yeah. Women tend to, we're the caregivers, right? We take care of the children. We take care of the husband. We take care of the home. We take care of the family, the schedules. If we have a career, we're taking care of the career. And it's where do we find the time to squeeze in that self-care? Now, when you look at self-care for women, do you look at self-care as a whole picture? Do you look at just the physical aspect? Like, What do you help women focus on when it pertains to self-care? Yeah, I think initially, you know, we think of exercise and like, you know, working out as self-care, but after working with women for almost 20 years and I taught in multiple gyms and I taught a lot of classes, I realized there was so much missing to the message of self-care because if we're not mentally in a good headspace, um, if our thoughts are kind of weighing us down or they're full of weeds, it's really hard to focus on our emotions our um, physical being, our spiritual being, our social being. And so it's really that full picture. And mental health, of course, always gets overlooked, I think, because there's such a stigma. But we understand that if we're mentally in a better space, everything else falls into place. And so I really promote that in my gym. I actually trademarked a class called MEPS Full Body Experience that I host once a month at my gym that focuses on the big picture, not just like the physical health. Yeah, I cannot imagine the grief of losing a nine-month-old son and your father, who I'm in medical and caring for all those patients every day, day after day, but never looking after yourself. And so I commend you for making it through that because there's a lot of people who are in that struggle and can't see the way out or the other side or the light and sometimes wonder, you know, I'm left here. What is there for me to do? Because I've lost my father. I've lost my son. What did you focus on and how did you get through that painful time? And that may be a segue into your book. And maybe the therapy and writing that, because I, I know you're a published author. And But if you could just kind of think back, if you could, and just explain how you got through that or some simple lessons out of that space that might be beneficial to some of our listeners. I think when we are faced with loss, grief, trauma, and it doesn't always have to be the loss of a loved one. It could be the loss of, you know, a life you thought you would live. It could be divorce. It could be um, some sort of trauma in your life. You know, you're, it kind of brings you to your knees and you're, you know, you feel like you're in the darkness. 
And for me, I did have a younger daughter or, well, she was older than, than Steven. Um, so obviously I'm like, I had to carry on for her. Um, so that of course was a priority to me was trying to keep things optimistic and positive to positive for her. She was only two years old when my son passed. Um, but also finding purpose. And that's part of my book is purpose through the pain. I realized that there's other parents going through this. I wasn't alone. Unfortunately, you know, it's a club that no one wants to be in, but a lot of people don't talk about it, you know, especially when, you know, you lose a child. But I realized that if I could do something to help other parents through the loss of their child or help find a cure for SMA, then that would be my purpose. And that's what I did. Um, I started a nonprofit in memory of my son, Cure SMA, which to date has raised over a million dollars. I'm very proud of that. Wow. I'm not as active now as I was um, because now there's four treatments, which is incredible. Um, so we did a lot of fundraising. My family really supported me. Um, so that gave me purpose initially in doing just like pouring myself into fundraising and meeting with other parents going through it, um, holding their hand. Um, so that, and, and also my husband is, we're very fortunate that we have a very strong foundation and a good relationship because that was important as well. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's what helped me through the darkness. But I also think, like, I, I think for so long, we think of darkness as bad, but sometimes that's where we find ourselves. That's where the struggle really comes out. And that's where you realize that we find light through the darkness. You can't have joy without sadness. You wouldn't understand, right? We wouldn't appreciate all the good things in life if we didn't have those times. And so the older I get, the more I realize that there's going to be dark times in life for all of us. Um, sometimes just finding the quiet, practicing the pause and finding purpose can move you into that light. That's a great point. You know, I think of life as an EKG with its ups and downs. And you're absolutely right. We wouldn't truly appreciate some of those really high highs if we haven't made it through the lows. And a lot of times in the desert, you know, or in that garden space is where we go inside and we listen and we find ourselves, like you said. And it's, it's important because today's life is so busy. There's so many distractions. There's so many things coming at us through social or through work. And I feel like life speeds up as it goes along. It doesn't tend to slow down. And it's important that we take that time to slow ourselves down to hear what that purpose is. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What... Tell me about your book, Triumph Through Tears. When did when did you publish your book? Yeah, so I always thought about writing a book of my journey and the things that had helped me through processing grief and loss. But of course, COVID changed a lot for all of us. And so I took that time to, to work on that goal. Right before COVID, I had attended a Ziegler Legacy Certification. I think that's how we might have met through that. Mm -hmm. That community. And honestly, that was one of the best things I had done because that program, that family taught me, you know, a lot of personal growth and development, a lot of tools to really kind of survive and thrive through COVID. And so I took that and I hired a coach to help me keep me accountable. 
And I sat down and it wasn't an easy journey. And of course, now I even read it. I'm like, oh, I could have done better. But you know what? Sometimes just getting it out is, is the best thing you can do. And so really this sharing my story of losing Stephen, I had two babies in utero that I had lost right after he passed. Um, then I lost my dad. My mom suffered a stroke. There was so much trauma that I had to figure out how to kind of move past. And I think so many women can, you feel like you're just getting by, you know, you're like, you're just, you're barely getting one foot in front of the other. And I feel like so many of us can relate to that. And I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And so part of my book was inspiring people to have hope. And I, and I, I don't love the word hope because I feel like you need to take action in order for things to change. But of course we need that hope as well. Um, so I think you need to take action with hope. Um, but writing my book um, helped me, but I also, I know it's helped a lot of others. I also am a certified grief movement um, coach. So I'm able to do some workshops in my gym to help those that are struggling with grief and, and loss um, kind of move through grief. You never get over it, but if you're able to kind of find a purpose through it, it's easier to manage. And so that was, it was an undertaking. Um, I'm thinking of another book right now, but I'm kind of like, you know, in that in between. So we'll see what happens on self-care. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a whole concept in mind, but I just need to, I need to start working on it. That's fabulous. That's awesome. So a second book soon to be coming. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So your grief classes that you do movement through grief, grief through movement, are those just in your studio? Do you do them online? So currently I've just done them in person. However, I'd like to start doing some virtual ones. It's, it's a really um, different type of workshop. You know, it takes it takes a lot of courage for people to come to that because you're you're vulnerable, right? You're putting yourself in front of people with your own story, your own grief, and that's hard. And so it's it's a, a very hard sell, if that makes sense, it, to get people to come. But once they come, they understand the benefits of breath, breath work, movement, and sound is a big part of the um, grief workshop as well, which can be a little uncomfortable, um, but it can also be very healing. Yeah. And is that grief for just loss of a loved one? Is that no, divorce? No. Is that just any type of? Any type of grief. I mean, I've had women come that I've experienced sexual trauma. I've had people come that have a loved one that's in the process of passing. They haven't passed. And so it's for anyone that's just struggling with how to cope with, because again, grief is not just the death of a person. There's so many, so many aspects of it. Yeah. The stages. Yes. Of- yeah, that you go through. Because I know that there's there's stages that everyone experiences. And so it's it's coming trying to come out to the other side and like you found a purpose. And if everyone could just know that their life has a purpose and a meaning that we're all meant for a purpose. And it's up to us to dig deep and find that purpose and bring yeah. it out to fruition. And so that's pretty neat. What did, what was the Zig Ziglar coaching? How did that help you? And can you give us some high level, couple great tidbit lessons that you learned that could benefit some of our listeners from that coaching? Yeah. It's so interesting because I, I attended a John Maxwell certification. Have you, I don't know, Sherry, have you been to one of those? I have not. So it was like night and day. It was great. I went in 2017. I 
invested in myself, you know, flew out to Florida, thousands of people, you're paying for a picture with John, but it was very uplifting. And that kind of started my, um, kind of my initiation into more of a self-development and growth world. And I started a mastermind and then I was like, started my coaching business and then I opened my gym. So that was great. However, the Ziegler certification was totally different. I didn't know what to expect. Um, there's only 13 in my class from the country, um, all different walks of life. But the family, when you got there, they greeted you. It was very small. It was so intimate. I mean, I could literally call Tom on the phone, who is the CEO of the company today, and he would help me. So it was just a completely different experience. It's very spiritual based. The foundation of Ziegler is spiritual. And I feel like that is such an important part of our life is our faith and our spiritual being. And it's different for everyone. Um, I, I can't, I'm like trying to think of some highlights. I think just being amongst people that want to better themselves to better others is just a life transforming experience. And I think everyone needs to surround themselves with people who are like that. Surround yourselves with people that you want to be like or emulate and your life will change. And that's really, you know, I always tell women, you have to set boundaries in life. You know, if there's people that are trying to just pull you down and they're negative, they're not lifting you, then, you know, it's kind of time to cut cords. You know, it's, it sounds mean, but it's not because, you know, we only have so long on this earth and we want to be happy and joyful and purposeful. Yeah. So it was just, it was just an incredible experience. I try to go every year for the renewal and, to, again, to be around really like-minded people. So it's pretty incredible. If anyone ever has an opportunity, I can't say enough about that program. And no, I don't get paid to say that. <laughs> the Ziegler family is, like you said, family. When, yeah. when you get there, you feel like you're part of the family. Yeah. They all give you that warm welcome. I, I have, I've toured the Ziegler headquarters. I've seen the well, the pumping well, I've sat in the classes and um, some of the boot camps, and um, it, it's just a great experience. And with my sales background, See You at the Top was one of the first books I, I read as far as sales goes back right. college days, right? During my yeah. master's degree, I was on a flight. I started reading it, and the rest is history. I went into sales and That's I've awesome. been there ever since in medical. But yeah, the family is incredible. So you talk about being, and I know, and I teach my girls, you get in the room of the people you'd like to be with, or on the flip side, if you associate with the wrong crowd, more than likely you're going to end up down the wrong path. So choose your five closest friends wisely and surround yourself with people that are loving and caring and supportive and lift you up. Because I find today more and more in teens and adults, and I think a lot of women experience it, especially in midlife, is anxiety and depression. And so how does self-care wrap into that as well? Because I can physically take care of my body all day long, but there's still times that, and I never used to experience anxiety prior to midlife. And there's days sometimes I, I catch myself and I have to remind myself, it, it's not me, it's up to God and my purpose and he's got it all under control that I need to be in the present 
and not be anxious about what's happening in the future. But how do you incorporate that mental health and mental awareness in your self-care plans? Yeah, first you need to be very intentional. Again, you surround yourself with your environment, what you're watching. I mean, social media can be very detrimental, especially to younger people. Um, so you have to be intentional about it. That's one. Two, I have this framework I developed. It's called the 5G Mindset. And through the five intrinsic gifts that we're given with our free of gratitude, practicing gratitude every day, um, which is a game changer. It's scientifically proven to change your mindset. Generosity, you know, a, a kind act a day for someone. It doesn't have to be ginormous. It can be anything. Growth, like personal growth and development, it's free. I do Wordle every day. I do connections. I try to do things to challenge myself. Um, grit. You know, we have to be strong. We have to persevere. Life is not easy. And you have to keep pushing through and, and challenging yourself. Find things that challenge you. And then, of course, grace. That kind of, you know, it's, it goes along with grit. There's times we're not going to we're not going to succeed. We're imperfect beings. Forgiveness is a big part of life is practicing, you know, forgiveness with ourselves or others. And I also say practicing the pause. Like for me, I'm, I really am intentional about stepping back from a situation now versus reacting to think about how that will affect me or someone else going forward. And that also, I say, practice the pause with like what we're eating. You know, how is this going to fuel our body? Because fuel is food is medicine. I am studying the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and it's it's fascinating because our food can cause mental health issues. It's proven, and so that's another aspect. You want to feed your feed your body good things, like whole foods for the most part. You know, I, I do the eighty twenty rule. So that, I mean, there's some things that can help. We all struggle with anxiety, depression. I'm guilty of it myself, and it's it's frequent. It's I, I have it a lot. And so I practice those things, breath work, movement. Um, I have a guide I created. I'm more than happy to share it with everyone. It's a self-care guide when you're going through tough times, like with my top 10. Um, so just being intentional, practicing the five, five G's, breath work. Um, yeah. Your five G's. Did you publish that in an article or is that a blog on your website? That's or? actually part of my book. Okay. Um, and it is like I trademarked it. Um, but yes, the 5G mindset, I have a presentation on it. It's interesting when I presented at a fitness conference a few years ago, I did a presentation on the five gifts to help yourself and your clients um, to a better mindset because we can go in the gym and pump iron and do all the stuff. But again, if we're not mentally strong and fit, then it doesn't matter what you do because you still don't feel good. And when we feel good, we look good, right? And you have to think of, I think of it like from internal outward. You know, I think of our bodies as like, if you bite into an apple, you start seeing the brown, it's rusting. And so we need to take care of the oxidation in our body. We need to make sure we're fueling it good, exercising, getting rest. You know, a lot of women aren't getting enough sleep, whether it's hormonal, whether if we can't shut our mind off. But all these things can corrode our body if we're not intentional about just saying, this is what my body needs to be, to be better. So yeah, I was reading an article and they said that sleep is so important. Yeah. And even if you diminish your sleep, I don't remember, it was like one or two hours a night. If it's shortened, 
it affects not only your mental capability the next day, but long-term effects because your brain, and you probably know, so maybe you can explain, your brain doesn't have time to shut down at night and get into that specific stage of sleep where it can totally like rest and get ready for the next day where it kind of cleanses out all of the, everything that you went through the day before so it can recharge itself. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Our body needs rest. It needs recovery. It's like a cellular cleanse, like your body's cleansing itself at night. That's why intermittent fasting is also helpful. Um, but our society in general has kind of poo-pooed the importance of sleep. And again, it's that's really because you make bad decisions when we're sleep deprived. I think of like when my kids were little, you know, where I'm trying to juggle all the stuff and not getting enough rest and I'm reaching for junk food. I'm cranky. Um, I don't go to the gym cause I'm tired. Like it's like a, it's a domino effect. And so if you can get a good night's rest, it can be a game changer. What would you recommend to that woman who's struggling, right? Sleep deprived because it's the kids or it's work or it's stress, or it's staying up late because I've got to finish my work from the day so that I can work tomorrow. Um, you know, not eating right because I'm on the go. What if I had to pick and choose, what are some top tips you could give women that would they could implement now to help with that domino effect and baby steps, right? Because yeah. for me, you know, you try to reinvent the wheel in a 360 all at once. I'm good for a couple of days. And by day three, I'm like, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. Right. But if I implement small habits and maybe you teach this with your coaching, because I found smaller habits over time build up. So how do you go about the most effective way and the top, let's just say three tips yeah. that everyone could implement starting now? I think the women that succeed the most in my programs are the ones that don't try to do it all at once. And I'm sure everyone can relate. You know, if we go on a crash diet or we're going to go to the gym seven days a week, it's unrealistic. And so number one is being very realistic with, you know, everyone's heard of smart goals, but being very realistic with what you can manage in your life. So pick one thing. I mean, I have a lady that gave up soda and replaced with water. She dropped like 10 pounds. And she feels so much better just from that one change. And so build upon the foundation, but do one thing at a time to set yourself up for success. Two, I think, is having an accountability partner, having someone to kind of hold your hand or someone that you report to. And that's what I do a lot in my challenges is I am their partner. Like, I want you to succeed. So what do you need from me? Um, and I think three is if you think of your life as a plate, you know, not overloading that plate. We are only human. We need to have time for joy and happiness. We should be, you should have fun every week building that into your schedule, but think of your, your, you know, your life as a plate and you put on what you can manage and whatever doesn't fit on, you have to pick and choose, right? It needs to go because just like if you eat too much and you're full, that's what happens to all of us. We become so full. We can't, process. We can't focus. We're stressed. It's that downhill spiral. So really just kind of picking and choosing what you can fit into your life. Practice the pause. Cause I know we like to like, we're people pleasers to think about, can I, can I do this for someone else? Is, am I able to fit this into my day? Because I used to do that, say yes to everyone and no to myself. 
But when you say yes to yourself first, you're such a better person and you're so much more productive. Yeah, I love that. Because you don't realize just taking the hour for yourself to work on you, the rewards and the benefits from it are staggering. Yeah. We always put ourselves last. And by the time it's time to focus on me, you're so tired and you just want to go to bed. But if you were to take that hour early on, the benefits are there to reap. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, I think about Zig Ziglar and they talk about, you know, goal setting. And I can think about the wheel, right? You got financial and you've got personal and there's there's different ways to set goal. If I had to take that wheel and create a self-care wheel, what components would you put in the self-care wheel? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I'm actually developing a challenge for um, a state department right now, but it, inc it incorporates, you know, your nutrition, which mm -hmm. you're putting into your body, your movement, even if it's walking, that walking is so beneficial, your environment, and that includes your mental and physical environment and who you surround yourself with. And then I would say the other stuff would be like rest, restoration, fun, like your activities or lack of activities, meaning taking some downtime. But also like I tell the women all the time, you have to have things to look forward to in life. You know, you can't go, 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 go with work and all the stuff and then not have something to reward yourself with. And so I think that's a big part of it too, is, you know, that's, that's something I'm really like a stickler for in my marriage is like once a week, there's gotta be something fun because honestly it gives us something to look forward to, to work harder for. And so I would say those components are a big part of it. Um, like I said, I do a MEPS class. I could always do that for a group of women. If they were interested, we could do that virtual. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I think the big thing is nutrition, mindset, movement, and your environment. Yeah. And I always forget about the fun piece, right? Yeah. I'm very goal focused and driven and I, I always look for, okay, I have a purpose. So what's that purpose? And I'm go, go, go towards the purpose. And you forget about building in blocks of time for some of that fun. Now I do have fun when I go on vacation, but those are when we're on vacation. Yeah. How often are you doing that, Sherry? Right? <laughs> it, like it's once or twice a year. Yeah. It's not enough. Yeah. It's, we've got to learn how to incorporate it weekly. Like you said, yeah. yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll make that as my little, my little goal that I need to start working towards is building yeah. in some fun once a week. <laughs> I'm I, just, uh, I just shared this quote. I big, I follow um, the model health show, if anyone's familiar with that, but Sean Stevenson had this today. And it was like one of those, like, you see a quote and you're like, it says, don't let your comfort zone be your casket. And I was like, right. Like if I we're not like doing that. things that challenge us that are hard what's going to happen, right? You're going to deteriorate. You're not going to become better. And you should never put a limit on your age. I know when I opened my gym, I was 40, let's say 45-ish, 44. And when people were like, why are you doing that now? Like, you're so old. And I'm like, what? What? I'm like, you have no idea. We what's are just doing, getting right? started. I think too, as late as women, like don't be complacent. Like there's so much more we can do. And it's just, it's exciting. If you allow it to be, you want to be uncomfortable. Yeah, because that's how we become better. And then you think about things you've already overcome and you're like, wow, I did that. It gives you that confidence to do more. And at midlife, I think we hit a point where our mindset shifts and all of a sudden 
we don't care what other people think as we did when we were younger, A. And B, we're looking for how do we leave a legacy and what impact am I making? And it's not about the job anymore. It's about what am I giving back for? Why am I here? And what impact am I making? And so is that why you shifted and opened a, a gym? Well, it's not really even a gym though. It's it's a wellness community. Like I don't look at your gym as a gym. I, yeah. I look at it as a community. It's it's so much more than the gym that most of us have in our, our head, that that vision. Tell us a little bit about your community. Yeah, it really is women from all walks of life, all ages, all fitness ranges to, that have come together. And I'm, I'm very proud of it because, you know, a lot of people, you think of women as being catty and competitive and, you know, what are you wearing and who's got the flattest belly, but it's none of that. Um, and I'm very proud of it because it really is a very uplifting community where women are focusing on that whole being and supporting one another. I had two women that just lost, um, one lost a husband, one lost a um mother this week. And it's like, what can we do for them? And so that's part of part of our legacy. And that's something I talk about in my book as well is like, what legacy do we want to create for those left behind? I, I want my kids to, to learn that they should be living a purposeful life, but it should be fulfilling. It should be servant based, but it should be fulfilling to what they're good at and what makes them happy. I find too often people are doing jobs that it doesn't matter. Right. And we're all like, I had this conversation this week with one of the ladies. We're all replaceable in our jobs. You are not in your life. You are not in your family. You're not for your kids, your spouse, your friends. So you can give a hundred to your, your job and there's nothing left for all the other stuff that's important. So really being mindful and purposeful and giving your life a look and saying, am I doing it? Do I have that balance? Yeah. And I think that's, that's maybe where your self-care wheel will come in because you, when you map it out on paper, like when I do my goals and I map out the wheel on paper, it's very apparent where I focus and where I'm not focusing. And I've learned at a very young age, where you focus, your energy goes. Yeah. And if you focus on the right things, your life tends to shift in a different direction. And that's important. Yeah. And again, I think too, if you think about when you're sick or like I injured my back in the fall, you can't like, you can't perform right. When you don't feel well, when you're fighting disease and so many diseases are reversible or you can avoid them injury when you're, when you're going through that, you can't show up in life. And so if you can do things to prevent that and create longevity and health, that's, what's going to be important for all the other stuff. Yeah. It's way easier to take care of your health when you're not sick than it is to get unsick once you're yeah, sick. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Few quick questions before we wrap up. How do you motivate yourself? What motivates Jessica? My family, like thinking of them and things that I enjoy doing. So I love to travel. I love adventure. I love challenging myself. I just signed up for a few races. And so that's what keeps me motivated. Yeah. Talk about signing up for races. I read in your bio, you do Dancing with the Stars in Delaware. Yeah. That is amazing. It was fun. I, we, I performed nine times. They 
course, with COVID, that stopped. So I don't know if I'll get the 10th opportunity before I kind of shift my life a little bit. But yeah, it was fun. I love to dance. So that's wonderful. What are you most proud of? I think what I've created with my family, I'm very honest and open to a degree with my kids. And I think we've created a really good relationship with our children. Um, they've gone through a lot of hardships themselves. And so being there for them, it's as a parent, you want to judge and you want to tell them what to do. But I really try to step back and think about like how I dealt with things when I was younger. Um, but I think just the relationship that I've, I've developed with my family is probably what I'm most proud of. What advice would you give your 20 year old self? Turn out the outside noise. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't compare yourselves to others. God created you for a purpose. We're all unique. And so blocking out the outside noise, not worrying about what everyone else is doing. And also don't, I don't want to say don't sweat the small stuff because we need to pay attention to details. But when you go through trauma and loss in life, you realize what really is important. And so not letting silly things bother us. Great advice. Yeah. What brings you joy? What I do, like working with women, it's hard um, because I, I'm an empath. And so I can feel, I can feel what they're going through, but I love helping women. I love when I can see them succeed or I get a message like almost every day with a win for them. My family, exercise, travel, those are all, all things that bring me joy. That's awesome. Awesome. So Jessica, how can uh, people get a hold of you? How can our listeners get a hold of you? Maybe join online for an online class, pick up yeah. your book. What are some yeah. great ways to yeah, get Yeah, I'll share my link if they, anyone wants to set up a free call with me. But Jessica Moyer Coach is my website. It's new, so I think that's right, but I will share it with you, Sherry. Okay. Um, I'm on Facebook, Jessica Smith Moyer. Instagram is moyer.jessica. Um, you can send me a message. You can call me. I'll, I'll share my information. Um, if, again, if I can just help women to really kind of put on their their armor to go to, to battle, um, because we're always best when we're self-cared first. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you, everyone, for joining Wisdom of Women today. We will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wisdom of Women. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and gained some valuable insights and inspiration. How to connect with me and our guests today, as well as any links can be found in the show notes. Please share this episode with your friends. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review as it helps us reach more women like you who are seeking to learn from successful women leaders. Stay curious, stay hungry, and always push forward. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest. Until then, keep chasing your dreams, and we'll see you next time on Wisdom of Women.